Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money, and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the waitlist before Sunday the 19th, and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the waitlist right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into sovereign money. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. I am back from Costa Rica back from Rhythmia here to spill the tea, literally spill the tea, on everything that happened when I drank the ayahuasca. So you guys have been driving me crazy the last couple days, um, just waiting for this podcast episode to come out. And it took me a hot second to just write out everything that happened because you guys, there's just No way to accurately ever in words summarize, whether written or spoken, what the hell happened last week. It was crazy. So, but I'm going to do my best. And the way that I have decided to split up these episodes is to make them into a series. So initially I was going to record one episode and then it ended up being so long that I was like, man, this is going to be like a four hour episode or let me just, (laughs) let me just split it up and record it. Um, Before I get into the details of explaining the madness that Mother Ayahuasca took me through and the transformation, the beautiful, beautiful transformation that was on the other side, I first wanted to share with you guys that 
my signature New Year boot camp called Epically Aligned 2020 is enrolling right now. So on January 6th through 10th, I am going live for three workshops. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And don't worry, they are all recorded. You have lifetime access. So even if you cannot make it live, um, that's okay. You get to keep this workshop forever and use this workshop to help you you release what's holding you back and standing in the way of achieving your goals for 2020. You guys, 2020 is right around the corner and it's not just a new year. It is a new decade, a brand new decade. Can you believe that? So everything that you intend on creating, everything that you intend on releasing from 2019, releasing from this decade and bringing into the new decade is setting a precedent, not just for the new year, but actually for the next 10 years. So Epically Aligned is a boot camp. It's a process that I take you through in three days, three live workshops to release everything that's holding you back, let go of 2019, let go of all the years prior, giving you a completely blank slate, pretty much like ayahuasca does, to be honest. (laughs) And what we're going to do together is we're going to come together and help you create a vision for 2020 that excites you and especially a plan that helps you get there that is in alignment with your soul and in alignment with manifestation. Um, Soul alignment is the most important part and so many people get stuck in just this goal setting, right? This goal setting mindset of what do I want to achieve and how do I make it happen and how do I reverse engineer it so that every day I know exactly what's on my to-do list so that I can get to XYZ destination. And oftentimes we are not checking in with how does our soul feel about that. And we also don't take advantage of the fact that it is our soul that is working in unison with the manifestation process and working in unison with um, the universe. And if we just get the hell out of our way and let our soul go out there and do the work and bring in all of our desires, we're going to have a much easier time creating the life that we actually want to live. Epically Aligned is also about feeling and looking and being your best self in a new year and the new decade. And of course, bringing in more abundance, love, and joy into your life than you ever thought before possible. I have decided that even though this bootcamp is literally worth over $1,000 because it's that juicy and has that many amazing, incredible tools to help you, I decided to price it at a no-brainer price of just $111. That's it. Three workshops, completely live with me, lifetime access, all recorded. Don't even worry if you can't make it live and a community to support you all year long for just $111. If you guys are interested, if you are ready in creating or ready to create the best year of your life, you can go to manifestationbabe.com slash links. That is my new hub for anything that I talk about on the podcast where you're like, where's the link for that? Or how do I find that? Or Catherine talked about XYZ and I want to enroll. 
make sure you go to manifestationbabe.com slash links. Remember that the only way to predict 2020 is to create it. And I believe that 2020 is the year of the visionary and it's time for you to be the visionary leading and trailblazing through, not worrying about what happened in the past, not worrying about what others are going to think of you or even what you're going to think of yourself, but actually realizing that stress worry, fear, anxiety, people's opinions and judgments and shame and guilt does not serve you in the new year, in the new vision. And the only way you guys to know for sure if 2020 is going to be your year, you know how people go on Instagram and they're like, oh my God, 2018 is going to be my year. 2019 is going to be my year. 2020 is going to be my year. And then they do nothing about it. And every single year, they just think that just because the year on the calendar changes, that something miraculous is going to happen for them. That obviously doesn't happen. They end up saying that every single year until pretty much the day that they die because they don't actually do. They don't actually create. They don't actually manifest. They don't actually decide to take the necessary actions that would create and make that year be their year. And if you want to create that extraordinary life, you want to take your life from mediocre to good or good to great or great to extraordinary, you know, you got to be able to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And Epicway Align is that boot camp where I will take you through my process. I've been hitting my goals and slaying them left and right since I started doing the Epic Way Align process myself. And now I want to gift it to you so that we can all live our best life. Girl, yes. Okay, manifestationbabe.com slash links, and I cannot wait to see you there. All right, ayahuasca, you guys. Let's get into it. So first of all, um, before you continue on with this episode... If you did not listen to episode number 116 of the who, what, when, where, and why of ayahuasca, this episode is going to be so out there and so esoteric and make absolutely no sense and might kind of freak you out. So I want to make sure you get some context of what even ayahuasca is, why did I decide to go drink it, who drinks it, why would you drink it, when would you drink it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I invite you guys (laughs) to keep a very open mind while listening to this episode. It gets very esoteric. It gets very out there. Um, An ayahuasca journey is absurd. It's unexplainable. And, you know, if we're going to get esoteric right now, it is something that is experienced in another dimension. Um, that we currently do not live in. We live in the third dimension, and I don't know what dimension ayahuasca happens in, but it is not this dimension. It feels like, I would say, not even like going to another planet. (laughs) You know, like sometimes I would think about like, did I go to another planet and now did I come back to earth and am I now adjusting to earth? No, it's like going to another planet in another dimension and then coming back to earth and being like, whoa, what the hell happened? (laughs) So this episode is going to be my best way of sharing what happened in my four ceremonies. 
So as I mentioned before, the episodes are split into three parts. So part one is what you're listening to currently. And of course, there's a prequel to this. So make sure you listen to episode 116 before you even go into part one. So part one, I just want to talk about my experience at Rhythmia overall. I mentioned that I was not sponsored uh, by Rhythmia as there are, you know, there's a whole influencer program that they do. And I think it's really great because, you know, people uh, listen to influencers these days. And what better way to use influencer marketing than to inspire people to do the deep, deep, deep inner work that relieves them of a lifetime of trauma and just brings them peace and freedom and trust in themselves. I think it's just so brilliant. But I was not invited part as part of the, the influencer experience, nor did I want to be a part of the influencer experience because I just wanted to go and have my own experience. I wanted a very unbiased uh, journey at Rhythmia. I didn't want to, while I was there, especially now looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, um, I could see how I would have struggled being, you know, sponsored to experience Rhythmia for free in exchange for, you know, um, uh, some podcasts about them, which I'm already doing, some posts about them, which I have already done. I've pretty much done everything, but it's just on my own time. And to be honest, at Rhythmia itself, at least for the first four days, I really struggled and I was, you know, um, I struggled to not isolate myself. I so badly wanted to isolate myself and not talk to anyone because I was processing so, so much. I mean, so much was released from me. And I, at some, at some, uh, some of the times just didn't know how to handle that. Like I just didn't know how to cope with the fact that literally there were parts of myself that were killed off that weren't serving me at Rhythmia. And so I also wanted to just share with you guys an unbiased view because I will share a couple things that I'm like, hmm, could have been done better. But overall, you know, loved my experience and I'll go into that. And then I want to share in this episode what happened during ceremonies number one and three. And how I'm going to go into this episode with the ceremonies is I'm just going to share what happened. So I'm going to share a couple of like insights and breakthroughs that I had, but I'm going to actually leave the lessons for part three. So the lessons is more of uh, not so much the details of like what happened during ceremony, but more of what I took home with me, what I realized needed to change, what I realized wasn't serving me, what I realized um, I was meant to do with my life per se. So I'm going to leave that for part three. In part two, I'm going to talk about ceremonies three and four. Um, at first, I was going to do parts one and two and do ceremonies one through four. And then I realized like after writing out just ceremony one, I was like, okay, this <laughs> this has to be split again. And then part three is what I actually learned from my experiences and how it transformed my life. And of course, how I'm integrating everything now, because it's been almost a week since my last ceremony. And uh, Rhythmia talks about a two-week integration process where you're going to go through some ups and downs. You're going to go through a little bit of confusion. You're going to possibly, um, on a much milder level, relive um, the feelings and the emotions and the memories of kind of what happened during, during your experience. 
you will be mourning and grieving a part of you that was essentially killed off at Rhythmia that wasn't serving you, that was getting in the way of your true potential, which your true potential is believed to be you merged back with your soul. As I talked about in episode number 116, that Rhythmia believes that at some point in your childhood, there was a trauma. And I realized that my trauma was actually in my mom's womb, that I actually didn't even incarnate with my soul intact with my body. It was always split from the very beginning. And um, so Rhythmia believes that that split is what creates all of the distress that we have in our lives, like all of the the false beliefs and all of the the ego overpowering the soul, and you know any any mental stuff that we handle or that we deal with, any psychological stuff that we deal with, any physical illnesses that we deal with, all comes from the split. And the split is very intentional. It's part of the duality of nature, and it's part of what we are meant to experience on planet Earth because the split is what teaches us all of our lessons. If we came to earth whole and stayed whole, well, then we wouldn't learn very much. You know, there wouldn't really be a point. There wouldn't be something memorable to take with us, you know, at the end of our life where our journey was coming back with our soul and learning how to integrate with our souls and how to live a life of creation and be the best versions of ourselves. Like we wouldn't have anything really to move forward to or any, we wouldn't really have any desires or we wouldn't um, have any interest in growth if it wasn't for the split. So, you know, obviously I'm integrating that now. And so in part three, I'm going to talk more about that integration. Okay. So my overall experience at Rhythmia, I literally could not have chosen a better place to do ayahuasca. I felt incredibly safe. I felt incredibly watched over, taken care of, well-fed, protected while at Rhythmia. Um, wow. It is just such a such a safe place. I, I, I don't know any other way to describe it. Obviously physically safe because they had a ton of security. They had security constantly patrolling Rhythmia. Um, you know, they had medical staff there to basically clear you and then watch over you. Um, There's actually a paramedic that was outside of our ceremony. Um, we did ceremony in this essentially like place called the Maloka. Um, I don't know if it's actually called a maloka or that's what Rhythmia calls it, but it's pretty much like this room that has a ton of windows and doors and they all slide open and essentially you can open the whole room to the outside and it's essentially like this platform where they do yoga and it has a roof too. They do yoga, they do breath work, and then they do all the ceremonies in there. And the paramedic is always patrolling at night and they said that he's never had to get called except for like one time someone sprayed their ankle trying to go home uh, while the medicine was still working. Um, and by home, I mean like traveling to your hotel room, like at the end of the night, the night ends and you walk to your hotel room and then you go to bed. Right. So it's just like, and they have so many facilitators and so many shamans there where you feel like whenever you need help, there is somebody to help you. And I said again, that this is an unbiased review um, I would say that just a couple of downsides of Rhythmia were, of course, that it's not necessarily the Ritz-Carlton. They call themselves a five-star resort, but I wouldn't look at it as a five-star resort in the sense that this is a five-star resort that people would come vacation to. 
it's a five star. In fact, I would call it a six star um, when it comes to a plant medicine center, right? So in the context of a plant medicine center, this is like crazy compared to other places that I've looked at in the Amazon, compared to other places even in Costa Rica. Like if you want all the comforts of home and all the comforts of, you know, the Western kind of luxurious um, vacation, you know, um, amenities, then Rhythmia is definitely for you. And another thing that Rhythmia did right, besides obviously the amenities and the hotel itself, is that they really, really, really made sure that you constantly felt supported. And I appreciate this because, guys, I needed support so much. It was ridiculous. Like me being the independent spirit that I am, who is so prideful of never needing help and always understanding things and being like the, the, the best student, right? Like I was a really good student in school. I was the one asking a bazillion effing questions and constantly asking the shamans to help me. Like anytime I would see a shaman out, even outside of plant medicine uh, ceremony, I would constantly tell them like, Hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you help me? And I really, for the first time in my life, practiced just receiving help, which was so new to me. And Rhythmia is so great for that because everyone who needs help gets help. And the plant integration classes that we had every single day after ceremony made all of the difference. It brought so much peace of mind and clarity to me, especially when I was confused for about half of my ceremonies. And just even knowing that there is absolutely nothing really that you could see or experience that someone at Rhythmia who works at Rhythmia has not seen or worked with or experienced and that they know and have a basic idea of what's going on, especially since the facilitators have done like hundreds of plant medicine ceremonies and they just know that everything is good, everything goes okay. There is nothing that can hurt you except for what you think will hurt you, meaning that you can only self-judge yourself. You can only punish yourself. You can only um, feel guilt or shame or darkness within yourself. There's nothing outside of yourself that is harming you, right? There's nothing outside of yourself to figure out except for just the fact that this plant medicine is a journey inside of your soul, inside of your mind, inside of you to figure out what is no longer serving you and how can you be the best version of yourself. Another thing that I loved about Rhythmia is that it is a retreat center, which means that they incorporate yoga, they incorporate breath work, they have organic, delicious freaking meals, and it doesn't matter what you are, like you could be vegan, vegetarian, and even if you eat animal protein, they have something for you, and it's all fresh, it's all organic. They had workshops um, every single week. They have a guest speaker, and sometimes it's you know someone really, really famous, sometimes it's someone lesser known, but all super duper valuable people who come and teach a workshop that relates to something around consciousness or spirituality, becoming the best version of yourself, manifestation, plant medicine, the science of psychedelics, et cetera, et cetera. They also had colonics, which is so great because ayahuasca is such a purgative cleansing uh, healing modality. And to have colonics added into that is just so magical because first of all, I love colonics. And second of all, when you are cleaning out so much of your internal body, on a physical, mental, emotional level and a spiritual level as well. 
colonics just helps you like get even more of those toxins out and you come out of Rhythmia feeling like a freaking bajillion bucks, I swear. And then they also have massages um, and they include about two colonics and one massage. And what I ended up doing is I wanted another massage, but because we stayed at a neighboring hotel after our Rhythmia journey, Um, I just booked another hotel. I mean, I I booked another massage at that hotel. And then what I I ended up doing is doing three colonics at Rhythmia. And this is something so crucial to say that even though Rhythmia, yes, is incredibly westernized, the way that they handle and serve the medicine itself, like the ayahuasca portion of it, they hold it so incredibly sacred and authentic to the Colombian lineage. And the shamans aren't just serving the ayahuasca, they are truly healing people with it and they take their jobs, they take their missions incredibly serious. There are so many rituals and ceremonies and so many prayers and so many things that they do to make sure that the medicine is going to be served in the most authentic and most sacred way possible. They infuse so many intentions and prayers and songs and dances. They sing the Icaros, which are essentially like the this um, spiritual kind of singing or music, uh, however you want to call it, that also assists with the healing. It's it's a it's it's believed to guide the spirit of ayahuasca to help people when the Icaros. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly are sung. And Rhythmia would sometimes, um, I believe one of the nights, the first night, the Icaros was in a recorded version. So it was like on a, a, you know, through a speaker. And then they brought in live musicians, which was so beautiful and so crazy. And I swear it was like the most angelic singing that I've ever heard in my entire life. And the shaman, the main shaman that oversees Rhythmia um, comes from a Colombian lineage. And it is, I believe the grandfather passed. I believe someone, one of the shamans said that the main grandfather from this lineage in Colombia in the Amazon basin uh, passed, but his grandson regularly comes to Rhythmia and he oversees the shamans that are working there. And these shamans are essentially students of this man named Teta Juanito. There's actually a documentary that I found two days before I attended Rhythmia called The Medicine. And uh, you have to rent it or buy it. I believe it's like five bucks to rent or 10 bucks to buy. And I will definitely link it in this uh, podcast episode as well. It's on Vimeo. It's such a good documentary and it actually shows you a lot of the lineage and the ceremony and stuff that they that they use at Rhythmia. And it's just so beautiful, you guys. My respect for shamanism, my respect for indigenous cultures, my respect for this medicine just grew watching them, not just, not even, let alone experiencing it. Okay. But just watching how seriously they revere this medicine and how sacred it is to them is just so inspiring and so beautiful. And you can just tell that they are there to do their work with love and with healing. And that is their ultimate, ultimate intention. And even though I have watched hours and hours and hours because I'm a research freak of videos, interviews, documentaries, and read many articles, personal experiences, read lots of books on ayahuasca, there is absolutely nothing 
that can prepare you for this experience. Though Rhythmia does the best job of prepping you to the best of their ability and making sure that you know exactly what's going on before and after ceremony. So at Rhythmia, everything is intentional. And it was such a beautiful reminder to bring this practice home with me where I know like, duh, you know, uh, your reality is essentially a manifestation of your intentions. It's the intentions that you consciously create. And, um, you know, that's how manifestation works. So of course I have like this idea of how everything is intentional, but I wasn't really bringing much intention into other pieces, other places in my life, like in meditation, when I shower, when I cook, when I eat, when I talk to people, before I sit down to record a podcast episode. There's just so many beautiful practices that I learned to bring home with me just based off of seeing how Rhythmia operates. The entire journey is so, so much about intention. So the first thing that Rhythmia encourages you to do, and they encourage you to do this before you ever sit down in your first plant medicine ceremony, is something called the labyrinth. And the labyrinth is essentially like this maze that they had off to the side of their check-in desk. So they have a check-in desk, and then behind the check-in desk is what they call the flight deck, which is so funny because that's where that's where you go to drink the ayahuasca and lay on the mattress and just go fly away to another dimension. So the labyrinth is a place where you first get clear on six things that you want to let go of, and then you get clear on six awarenesses or six things that you want to bring into your life. And they say to be very conscious and very careful with what you choose Because whatever you do in the labyrinth is going to manifest. So, of course, I sat down uh, before ceremony, I believe, on uh, Sunday night. And ceremonies were from Monday through Thursday. So Sunday night, I sat down and got really clear on what I wanted to let go of and what I wanted to manifest into um, my Rhythmia journey. So I journaled out, I wrote out this journal prompt, and then I went right into six things, six things. And what you do is you go to this labyrinth, you pick up a rock off to the side of the labyrinth, and you walk in and you essentially walk through this maze. And every time you uh, turn a corner on the maze, you want to think of one thing that you want to let go of. And you do it six times, you drop the rock. Uh, sending a signal to the to the universe that you are letting go completely, completely letting go of these six things. And then when you walk out of the labyrinth um, on the other side or through the same way, I don't remember exactly, I forgot, um, you intentionally think about what you want to bring into your life. And it's just a beautiful practice. It helps you get super clear. And then you can bring those intentions with you to the plant medicine ceremony. Now, Rhythmia has intentions that they give you that they highly recommend that Jerry, the owner of Rhythmia himself, channeled through doing many, many plant ceremonies, that these three intentions are going to help heal anybody who comes through Rhythmia. And there's such beautiful intentions. And I chose to follow these intentions because I will uh, confirm that they are magical and that any intention that you have when doing something like plant medicine, if you give if you give the plant medicine these three intentions, you will have any other question answered. It's like anything you come to the table with just becomes eradicated simply because you follow these three steps. And the three steps or three intentions is show me who I've become. 
And what show me who I've become means is show me not how I see myself or how others see myself, but show me the truth of who I've actually become and where am I holding myself back? And this is probably the hardest part of my journey. And I will confirm that night one, I was definitely shown who I've become and it was hell on earth. It was the most brutal, honest truth that I've ever had to face in my entire life, but it was the truth that set me free. And as Tony Robbins says, the truth will first piss you off, but then it'll set you free. So that's the intention of that one. Show me who I've become. The second intention is merge me back with my soul at all costs. And that just means, of course, you know, there's a split that happens when you have some traumatic event that occurs in your childhood. Your soul stays within your energetic field, like your body and your soul are next to each other, very close to each other, but the soul is not necessarily inside the body. It is not an embodied feeling, right? There's no feeling of wholeness. And if you think about, think about all the things that you do in your life to fill a void, okay? For many of us, it could be addictions at all different levels. It could even be something uh, as simple as being addicted to just uh, numbing out on YouTube, right? Or addicted to... um, uh, toxic relationships or an addiction to um, self-harm or an addiction to alcohol or whatever it is. If you think about it, every addiction stems from a void and voids just come from the lack of wholeness that we feel. And when your soul is embodied inside of your body, you feel whole again. There's no more need to fill a void. So it's important to fill this void, not with things outside of yourself, but with your own soul, right? Finding the inner peace and happiness of your own soul back in your body. And of course, you want to intend at all costs because you want this to happen at all costs. (laughs) So it doesn't matter whether your ego likes it or not. Your soul is fucking coming back inside. And I definitely had that experience. And then the third intention is to heal my heart. And by heal my heart, it just means that it just, I mean, it, it means how it sounds, right? Heal my heart, make my heart whole again. Whatever is preventing me from really showing up in life with true love and uh, unconditional love for self and others, whatever is standing in the way, please heal that and heal my heart. And then the whole point of this process, you guys, is surrender. And if you like control and if you have a hard time surrendering, you ain't got no option but to surrender when it comes to ayahuasca. So it's believed that the spirit of mother ayahuasca, so that's a spirit behind the plant. And I talk about this in episode 116. If you're lost, you're like, what spirit are you talking about? You're just drinking a plant. There is a spirit that works and I have met her and there truly is a feminine, a a divine feminine spirit that lives behind the plant of ayahuasca called mother ayahuasca. And she's essentially doing the work and showing you what you need to know. But you are the one who's doing the work. And this is the hardest work ever of surrendering and showing up for the work and not fighting her. Because if it's you versus ayahuasca, you are never going to win. It is something that is so much bigger and so much more powerful and not in like that negative way that you might think of like more powerful than you. I mean it in the most loving, positive way. Like the universe is more powerful than you, right? Like you are a co-creator of the universe, but when you surrender to the universe, you find that the universe is so much smarter than you. And it, it, it knows how to get your desires to you so much faster than you could ever, ever predict. 
And so the hard work really with ayahuasca is once you drink it, it's all about surrendering and it's all about showing up for the work and not running or hiding and not escaping from the work. And even if you try to escape, like at some point you get so beat down physically, mentally, and emotionally that you just surrender anyway. And once you surrender is when the journey becomes fun in a way, or easier in a way, or more blissful in a way, and not so crazy like my very first ceremony. Uh, Rhythmia talks about the big four, and I just took a couple of notes down for you guys just to share with you some context of what I used to really help me get through my ceremonies. Rhythmia says, you know, in their in their um, basically introduction to plant medicine class, like before you even go to ceremony, they talk about, you know, things to expect and four different types of journeys that you might have. And they say that whatever is coming your way, whatever is coming is actually going. So everything that you feel during your ayahuasca journey, everything that you see, everything that you experience is something that you are seeing, hearing, feeling, experiencing in the journey at an intensified level so that you never have to experience it to that degree again. What is coming is actually going. What is coming is actually leaving you. And then they say, go to what's hard because the universe rewards bravery. And so go to what's hard means just don't fight it. Just relax. Just be okay with seeing some pretty crazy things and just know that you're going to come out of it on the other side, a much better human being. Um, Another thing they say is don't think drink. And this is for the logical people who like to overthink everything. And their mantra is stop thinking, just drink, just drink and the medicine will help you. And then uh, mind your own business. Uh, It's actually, they say rebirth, mind your own business. And by that, what they mean is that everyone in the journey is having their own experience. And some people are having a very loud experience. Some people are crying. Some people are moaning. Some people are having orgasms. Yes, this is a real thing. Some people are running around screaming and it is very easy to get caught up in other people's stuff and and allow other people's journeys to scare you or trigger you or cause you sadness or whatever. And it's believed that when we're all together in the room, all 86 of us or however many are in a room together, we are actually one. So we are, we become one and we are all healing everything together. But at the same time, sometimes when you're going through your own thing, you might get distracted by someone else and it could take away from the healing that you need to do. And so they say, mind your own business. And then the four different types of journeys that you could have, I have had mainly two types of journeys. So the four different types is body. Body just means that you might be experiencing shaking. You might be experiencing sweating, crying, laughing, purging. And by purging, that means vomiting. And that can also mean diarrhea. And that's just something leaving your body. And you actually want to purge. A lot of people are very afraid of vomiting or having diarrhea when they're drinking ayahuasca. Um, But I promise it actually feels better to purge than to hold it in and just sit there in your bed nauseated all night. Um, And then of course, emotions, you know, as crying and laughing and stuff like that, you might feel fear, you might feel anxiety, you might feel worry, you might feel dread. All of these things are completely normal. And as I mentioned before, and it was my mantra. So I really got good at reminding myself of this. What is coming is going. What is coming is going. 
The next type of journey you could have is a pinta. And a pinta is essentially like having visions or seeing things. And, you know, some people really hallucinate with ayahuasca and some people don't have visions. And I was uh, made aware (laughs) during my journey that I have a very open third eye. And ayahuasca herself actually told me that she is a very overwhelming medicine for me because of how open my third eye is. And my journeys were so visual, but it wasn't like I was hallucinating outside of myself. It was more like inside of myself. It was like an extreme visceral visualization that I was having that I could not control. It was not guided by me. It was just things flooding my mind and flooding my mind and flooding my mind. And I could see them crystal clear when I closed my eyes. But when I opened them, it was not so much that I was like seeing things with my eyes open. It was just that everything was so disoriented. It was like being extremely, extremely drunk, right? Then there's a consult and a consult essentially means that you have a consultation with mother ayahuasca where you can ask her any question and she will answer you. And it's not like shit that you can make up guys. It's like you are walking outside and all of a sudden you're staring at a tree and a tree turns around and just starts talking to you. And I know it sounds crazy, but it actually happens. Um, Jerry himself, Jerry Powell, the owner of Rhythmia, his first plant medicine journey ever, he was talking to the moon. And the moon is the one who told him to open up Rhythmia. And the moon told him all kinds of things. And so he really had consult kind of... um, of journeys. I had a different kind of consult journey in the sense that it wasn't so much like an object talking to me or a tree talking to me or like a moon talking to me. It was just that I was talking back and forth with ayahuasca inside my head and I had a lot of my questions answered. And then this is the most interesting journey of all. And I'll just give you guys a sneak peek to a miracle that happened actually to one woman in our group that was so insane. And you would never guess that something insane would happen because she had a nada journey. And a nada journey means that essentially nothing happens. You fall asleep. And the medicine feels like it has no effect over you whatsoever. And it's believed that um, sometimes this will happen when something is so traumatic that there is no need to revisit it, that the medicine needs to work with you on a subconscious level and not bring anything up to the surface that could potentially re-traumatize you. And that's not to say that you won't uh, experience traumatic things, because I definitely did. But it's just like, I think that for some people, it happens because not that they can't handle it, but because that's part of their own healing journey, part of their own process. And what's for their highest good is that ayahuasca doesn't have an effect on them on a conscious level, but it's having an effect on a subconscious level. And so what happened actually is one woman, the first night, she fell asleep and essentially nothing happened. And when she woke up, her husband woke her up in the morning or it wasn't in the morning. It was like in the middle of the night because her ceremonies would end at about two in the morning, one to two in the morning. She was deaf in her ear for 32 years. Okay. in her right ear. So she could only hear from her left ear and she couldn't hear from her right ear. And her husband would always have to stand on her left, on her left side to be able to talk to her. And of course, there's just all kinds of problems, right? Of being deaf in one ear. And what ended up happening is that they're walking home to their hotel room and her husband is standing on her right side and having a conversation with her. And she's just like 
listening to him. Like he can tell that she's listening to him. And she woke up, first of all, very disoriented. And it makes sense because ears represent the equilibrium balance inside of your body. So that's where your your balance is, your equilibrium is. And so she was feeling a little disoriented. And all of a sudden she goes, man, these crickets are so loud. And that's when she realized that she could hear for the first time in 32 years with her right ear. And her journey with ayahuasca, even though it was a not a journey, meaning nothing happened on a subconscious level, a shit ton of things happened because after that one ceremony, guys, this is this this is giving me goosebumps like crazy. Her hearing was restored. It was healed. How crazy is that? Like we were all cheering the next day. It, it was everything the next day. And I'm about to get into my ceremony, so you'll see why. The next day, I really needed to hear that because it just gave gave me all the faith I needed for this process. And the plants themselves, ayahuasca, whenever you drink it, you're supposed to speak your intention into it. And ayahuasca will always honor your intention no matter what. So no matter what, if you have an intention, you're going to get it by the end of the journey. But it's not always going to make sense in the beginning because the plants are going to heal you by their priority, not yours. So if it needs to go elsewhere first before it gets to what you think you need help with, that's going to happen. And the last thing I want to mention before I get into the ceremony is that um, because it's it's um, crucial also not only to you know, the story I just shared about the woman restoring her hearing, but something that happened to me as well is that 70% of those people who do ayahuasca get something called a celestial surgery and a celestial surgery. And this is going to sound so crazy. You guys but bear with me is when an alien or a being or little people or robots or something not of this world comes up to you, asks you if they can do a surgery because they have to get your permission. Um, And actually, I don't even know if they have to get your permission, because I don't remember giving permission, but I remember receiving the healing and receiving the celestial surgery and being okay with it. I think it's more like an on an energetic level. It's like, yes, I'm okay with it. Basically, they come and operate on you. And it's on a celestial spiritual level where whatever they do is they're literally healing you also on a quantum physical level. And so many people got celestial surgeries because, of course, they say 70% who um, do ayahuasca get celestial surgeries. That's also what I had. And it was insane. Okay. So are you guys ready for this? Ceremony number one. The whole day on Monday, I felt very good. I felt very excited. I was calm. Um, I remember, you know, we we were all lining up outside of the Maloka, which again is the place where the ceremony takes place. And Rhythmia is like very, 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 um, they're very protective and they're very systematized and they make sure that everybody in the room is supposed to be there and that no stranger randomly walked into the Rhythmia campus um, and made their way inside of the plant medicine ceremony. And there was actually a guy, you know, there was a couple people who weren't medically cleared, but they could still come in and um, 
and join the ceremony in the sense that they could be in the energy of the ceremony and they could take ayahuasca out of a tincture. So very, very low, 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 low dose of ayahuasca, but not the actual thing. And there was a guy who had type one diabetes who ayahuasca raises your blood sugar levels. So God forbid, if he would have actually drank ayahuasca, he would have gone into a diabetic coma. So that's why Rhythmia has a whole clinic and and medical staff that clear you to make sure that those who are drinking ayahuasca are supposed to be drinking ayahuasca, right? And those who aren't um, won't be drinking, but I believe that they let them into the ceremony. At, At least that's my perception. And they have like this whole system where you have to fob yourself in, you have like a fob on your key, you have to check in and they give you these like tokens that you have to um, give as well. And I think the tokens represent more of an energy exchange. Like here's my token. Thank you for the ayahuasca. I'm not sure, but there's like a whole system. So take some time to get into the Maloka. Um, after we got in the Maloka, about 30 minutes went by and they announced the repay. And what the repay is, and this sounds also crazy, you guys, is they, uh, it's repay is like this mixture of herbal medicines grounded up. So it's a, it's a, it's in grounded up form and it's grounded up tobacco mostly, as well as some other herbs. And what they do is they literally blow it up your nose. And it's not like you're inhaling it because they ask you to hold your nose. They blow it up your nose and then you breathe out. So any of the any of the actual um, particles you're breathing out, but the feeling that it gives you is like it burns. It feels like it's burning your insides. It's crazy. But I really loved it because what Repay is supposed to do is it grounds you. It actually clears you out. It clears your channels. It opens up your crown chakra, opens up your third eyes. Uh, third eye opens up your other chakras and prepares you for ayahuasca. And it, it works very well with ayahuasca. So I got the repay and I absolutely loved it because it grounded me and calmed me down completely. It helped me just, um, gather my thoughts because my palms started to sweat as soon as I laid on my mattress and I whipped out my journal. I journaled a little bit and I just had this feeling like I couldn't shake this feeling that my entire life led up to this very moment. And it was such a beautiful feeling and I couldn't describe it. And I felt so much at peace. And it was because I took the repay, I let it settle and I just allowed myself to get grounded. And then it was time for first drink. And this is like the most uncertain moment of your life because you literally don't know what you're signing up for, but you're just standing in this line and the shamans, and again, they're, they're praying over it. They're, um, before they actually serve the medicine, what they're doing is they are singing the Icaros. They're summoning the spirits. They're praying. They're chanting. They're, they, they make like this whole celebration out of the fact that the medicine is about to be served. And then every time someone goes up to drink the medicine, the medicine is served in the shot glass and the shamans are praying over the, praying over every single person. Uh, praying over every single shot glass of ayahuasca that they're serving. And then your job is to say your intention into the ayahuasca. So I said in my ayahuasca, thank you for showing me who I've become. I took the shot glass and then it was down, right? I was like, all right, there's no going back now. It's down. So I sat on my mattress and I waited. About 45 minutes in, 
I got like, honest to God, thought I was going to have a nada because I felt so sleepy and so tired and so relaxed. And I was just like, oh man, good. You know, like a part of me was like, good. Cause I, I wasn't ready for whatever was going to happen. Maybe this will be my nada. Maybe I'll fall asleep, do some subconscious work. It's going to be an easy night. Right. Oh no. <laughs> About five minutes after that thought crossed over me, it hit me and it hit me hard. And the only description I have for what ayahuasca feels like in its peak state is that you feel extremely drunk and extremely high at the exact same time. And if you've never been drunk or high, then I can't help you. I don't know how else to describe you, but if you've ever uh, smoked marijuana or uh, drank a ton of alcohol, like just imagine doing both of them on both extremes, right? Being really high and really drunk at the same time and just combining them. And it's just so at the same time, that's not even the best description because it's just so unexplainable. And it's like, unlike anything I've ever felt before. And your brain feels like this fizzing, like your brain feels like it's kind of melting at the same time. It's just so, so, so weird. And I started to get visions immediately. Um, whether I kept my eyes open or closed, I started to see these uh, geometrical shapes. I started to see codes. I started to see patterns. I was like in the matrix, right? I started to see numbers. Um, it was like someone played the movie, The Matrix inside my head, except it wasn't playing inside my head. That was just like I was starting to see the veil come off between the physical and the spiritual world. And Mother Ayahuasca didn't talk to me for the majority of this night. Um, In fact, this whole night was just a process of showing me things. And boy, did she show me things. Um, As I said before, the way that I experienced the visions were like extreme visualization. I would see them inside my own head, but not so much like a hallucination. Things outside my mind looked interesting, but it didn't produce like visceral actual images, like a movie being played out. But when I closed my eyes, it was like a freaking party. So before the visuals really started to go, I actually started to feel the presence of hands all over me. And somehow intuitively, because there is no, there is no more veil, right? Between you, your ego and your intuition. It's just so all also blended and you really, really walk into the spiritual world where things are just starting to happen on a quantum level and they happen really fast. You can't explain them. You just like, you have like this clear cognizance of just knowing what's happening um, to a degree, right? Not to say that there weren't some confusing things that happened, which I'll get into. So all of a sudden I felt the presence of all these hands all working on my body and I just knew that these were my spirit guides. And I, I I just somehow knew that these were my spirit guides and I could kind of see them. I wouldn't see them, but I would see them. But I definitely saw their hands, like actually seeing hands working on me and feeling my hands. And I remember I started this dialogue with them where I'd be like, what are you working on? Like, what are you doing? And it was like, they were so lighthearted with me. They were like, oh, don't worry. We're just, you know, we're working on your liver. And I literally felt you guys, my liver being massaged, like, like someone was operating on me, opened me up, grabbed my liver and started massaging me. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You know, your liver is filled with toxins. 
And we're just massaging this out for you. And I remember thinking, oh, that makes sense. You know, I had breast implant illness. I have my breast implants removed. I have a lot of toxins in my liver, I'm sure. Like, thank you so much for cleaning it. It was so bizarre, you guys. It was like a lighthearted conversation between us. Then it started happening, you know, in my guts. Like, what are you doing with my guts? What are you doing with my stomach? What are you doing with my with my womb? What are you doing with my butt? You know, like just all of this um, back and forth. And the the response was always the same. Oh, don't worry. We're just, you know, we're making a little tweak here. We're making a little tweak there. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I remember very distinctly something being done to my brain. And I was like, okay, what are you doing to my brain? And I see an alien, guys, a robotic alien working a robot who was then working on my brain. So let me describe that again. A robotic alien working a robot, you know, like those robots that surgeons can work in surgery, like brain surgery, for instance, they're like very precise. They work them because they're less likely to commit an error than a human hand. Well, yeah, that, that robotic alien was working a robot who was working on my brain. And I just remember distinctly being told, oh, no worries. We're just rewiring your brain and filling in some gaps for you. And I remember saying thank you to this alien being like, oh, thank you so much. And it was all so humorous and so lighthearted. And I just like let it happen. And guys, like, even though like consciously, you're just like, um, this is really weird. At the same time, you don't have a conscious mind anymore. So you just kind of let it happen. And then after this lightheartedness ended, this is where it became viscerally visual and really intense for me. So I started to see a snake and ayahuasca shows up for a lot of people, especially when you're drinking it in or near the Amazon or from the Amazon. Um, Mother Ayahuasca shows up in like a jungle, usually like jungle animals, different jungle animals. And for me, it was always a snake. And so I started to see the snake going down a spiral in my brain, opening up all of the most traumatic moments I've ever experienced. And again, what is shown on ayahuasca is so that it can be healed, right? So a lot of people do experience their traumatic moments, but it was for the purpose of healing. And ayahuasca has been known and actually proven to help people who have PTSD because it allows people to go back to their traumatic moments and see them from a completely different perspective so that they can heal them so that they no longer affect them in their day-to-day life. And we don't even realize how much we hold on to you guys. There's so much that we hold on to. It's like insane. And so part of ayahuasca, when this was happening, I actually remember consciously telling myself, oh, I see. I'm healing my trauma. Okay, let's go, right? Like, let's go, baby. I, I don't care what I'm shown. Nothing will scare me. And so I just remember going down the spiral. And I remember a door opening. It's like door, it's like sliding door, sliding door open. And I'll see myself being molested as a kid, which I always assumed was like a thing. But for the first time ever, I actually, the memory came back to me. And although it sounds like it's, it was hard to see, it actually wasn't very hard to see. It was almost like something got solidified. Like I finally got an explanation for something, but it wasn't as traumatic to see it. Um, because I just, I just knew that I was being healed and it was more, um, it didn't feel so in my body. It felt like I was just observing it. If that makes sense. So I was being an observer to the trauma, 
then I would go down, you know, and I would see myself being yelled at as a kid. And I just kept going down the spiral and then another door open. And it's like, my dad is abusing my mom and like over and over and over again, just a couple of things. And backtrack for a moment. I remember that, you know, they say mother ayahuasca is a feminine divine spirit. And initially what was very strange is that mother ayahuasca appeared to me as a grandfather energy. And I saw this like grandfather sitting on a throne and, um, I immediately recognized that the reason why ayahuasca showed up to me as a grandfather was so that I would trust it. And for some reason, I got this message of, I had to show up to you as a grandfather because you don't trust women, which was so weird because all of my trauma as a kid involved other men. I didn't have any trauma with women yet. For some reason, it's like, this is why you couldn't really be, you didn't have many girlfriends growing up is because you don't trust women. It was so, so bizarre. But anyway, um, then mother ayahuasca transformed into this ice queen, right? And she's just like watching me. She's like watching me from the top of the spiral. And I'm like going down the spiral, going down the spiral, going down the spiral. And the dialogue wasn't very kind to me between me and ayahuasca at first. And at least it was so my intention could be honored. And now hindsight is 2020. When I look back, I realized that ayahuasca was trying to show me who I'd become. And who I've become didn't have very many kind parts to it. So, of course, she had to show up in a certain way so that my intention could be honored. Um, Ayahuasca knows how to evoke emotion out of you. Let me tell you, she knows how to bring up your deepest, darkest fears so that you can heal them. And she just knows exactly what to show you. And it's just so uncontrollable. And I remember as I started to get more and more uncomfortable and fear started to rise up inside of me, I I remember sitting up and wanting to purge, but I couldn't. And it was just building and building and building, but nothing was coming out. And I remember I sat on my knees and I just became so helpless. And I started to struggle and I started to try to fight the medicine. And it was in this moment that I sat on my knees again, um, a little bit higher, like trying to shift, you know, maybe, maybe if I can shift my body, this will stop. And I felt a shaman come up to me and he started blowing on my neck. And for some reason I knew it was a shaman and it was a male shaman. Started to blow on my neck from behind me to move the energy. Because that's the that's the job of the shamans. They're constantly walking around looking for people to help. Looking for people who have stagnant energy that they can't seem to work through. So they just will blow or will chant or will fan them off or will spray them with something and or bless them or whatever it is to just get that, get the spirits moving, get this get the energy out of the maloka. Whatever energy is no longer serving you, get it out of the maloka. And I remember feeling so relieved by this like shaman blowing on my neck until I opened my eyes and I looked behind me and there was nobody behind me, guys. I was trying to thank the shaman. There was nobody behind me. And I felt the blowing on my neck in like 3D. Like it felt like it was happening in real life. And when I looked behind me, I remembered and I saw that there is only a wall behind me. What? So, you know, looking back now, ayahuasca works on the quantum level. So oftentimes a shaman, the shamans also work on the quantum level. So it's very common that a shaman could be working with you from a distance. So they just like, cause they are, they're also drinking the medicine. They just know who to go to, what people need, and they can work on you, whether they're physically standing next to you 
or not. So if you're having a hard time, there's always help, whether it's physically or on a quantum level. And I remember like being like, okay, this is so weird, but whatever. I calmed down for a bit. And then I felt a presence stand over me and forcefully push my head down. And it was just like, I remember someone grabbing my head and just pushing me down and just pushing me down. And all of a sudden, I my head was just on my mattress and I, it couldn't be pushed down anymore, but it kept getting pushed down. It kept getting pushed down. And I felt like my head just being smushed into the mattress. And this is when things got really confusing and dark for me. So in hindsight, I believe I went to hell. It definitely felt like hell, or at least my version of hell. All of a sudden, I started seeing thousands of eyes looking back at me, like eyeballs, guys, single eyes, thousands of them just looking at me, looking at me from trees, looking at me from the darkness, looking at me from rooms, from doors, doorknobs were eyeballs, eyeballs everywhere. And then I started to see demons. And then I started to see a ball of really dense energy, like really, like it's just really dark ball of energy. And it's so dense. And I just knew that it was my dad. So weird. I just, I could just tell my, my dad is inside of my, of this dense ball of energy. And then this very like dark voice told me, oh, Catherine, like you think you're so good and you think you're so cool and so amazing, but you are made from evil. And this is evil. And I remember just constantly saying, you're made from evil. You're evil. Evil is your dad. You're made from evil. This is evil. And evil is your dad. And then I started seeing all of my friends and family laughing at me. Like I just remember Brennan and, you know, my team members and my parents and some of you guys like coming into my world and just laughing at me and saying that I'm worthless, I don't mean anything, and that my life is meaningless. And then it got even crazier, guys. It sounds crazy, but it got crazier. I lost complete sense of myself completely. I was not in my body. I had no body. I had no idea who I was. It was the most bizarre feeling ever, but it sucked. It was like purgatory And I remember thinking that it was going to last forever. And whenever I would try to fish up images of people who I knew in my life, like Brennan, I'd hear a voice go, who is that? Who's Brennan? Who's Catherine? What's an INTJ? I remember literally being like, what's an INTJ? Who are you? What are you? What are you doing? And I would think of like my mom, who's mom? I would think of like my dad, my stepdad, who's dad? Who is that? Who are you? Who's Catherine? And I just, guys, like it was in this moment where I was actually having the thought of what the fuck did I do? (laughs) What did I drink? Why am I here? Why did I put myself here? And this voice kept laughing at me, making fun of me. And after about what felt like an eternity of this, like an eternity of purgatory, I finally came back to my body and got somewhat of a sense of myself. And then I heard the shamans announce the second cup of ayahuasca to drink. So every night they announce two cups. And then the last night, it's kind of like a free for all. You drink as much, you drink as much as you need. You drink as much as you want. You drink as much as your heart tells you to drink. And I remember getting up immediately and everyone who got up started to laugh in unison at how fast we got up to get the second cup. 
It was like a military operation. It was like, all right, we're going to announce the second cup. Everyone just flew out of their mattresses because you guys like the mattresses are spread all throughout the Maloka and everyone just like got up, shot up to go take the second cup. (laughs) We literally took the mantra, don't think, drink seriously. So I remember standing in line and feeling like I got some comic relief, right? I needed that comic relief so badly. And for just a moment, I was sober. And then as I'm standing in line again, I just kind of felt myself going back in. And as I drank my second cup, again, I thank the ayahuasca. Thank you for showing me who I've become. And as I laid on my mattress, I felt this impending doom approach me. And it was in this moment that I again was like, oh, fuck. Okay. All right. I already felt so raw. Like you just feel so raw. Like you have no defense mechanisms. You have no no other option but just to go through the process. And the first thing that came to me after the second cup was my mom. And I thought of my mom, but for some reason, I couldn't picture her face. Instead, all of a sudden, and I will spare you the details of what actually has happened because this is a real life thing that actually happened to my mom. I lived out my mom's trauma, you guys. I went into a memory of hers. I went into her body And I lived it out on a very physical, visceral, emotional, spiritual level at least 20 times over and over and over and over again. And every time the memory would finish, it would like shake. It's like it's like the box would shake and I would do it again. The box would shake and I would do it again. The box would shake and I would do it again. And it was, guys, it was the most violent and traumatic imagery emotion and feelings I have ever felt in my entire freaking life. It was horrendous. And I remember in that moment being like my poor mom, but for some reason I still couldn't see her face. It was really weird. Like I, it's like, I, I didn't, I couldn't picture my mom, but I knew it was my mom and I knew it was my mom's, um, trauma. And then I started to see this long line of women line up before me. And I just knew that these women came to me so that I would process their trauma as well. And I remember just being like, fuck, like, I can't do this. Like, stop. And they're like, no, we have to. (laughs) And so I started to feel the feelings of hundreds of women in my lineage and in my, in my generation. And this is when ayahuasca started to talk to me somewhat at this point, started to kind of narrate uh, what's going on. And that's, that's from this point on when I, when I mean that ayahuasca was talking to me, you know, a lot of people have asked me like, how do you know she's talking to you? Or what do you hear? Like, do you hear a voice? I actually hear it in my own voice, but it's an uncontrollable voice, meaning that it's a narration and I'm going back and forth with her where I can control what I'm asking, but I can't control the answer I'm getting. It's like, you can't make it up. It is raw subconscious coming through. There's no controlling. There's no filtering. She's just saying it like it is, and she's explaining everything that is happening. And so that's how I knew that this line of women were me having to process generational trauma. And I thought the night would never end. It was the most painful thing I've ever felt in my life until finally I started to yawn. And yawning is another form of purging. And this time, my my mouth opened up so wide, you guys. I thought my mouth was going to rip open. <laughs> and immediately, you know, I got the download or the narration that these are my ancestors purging and that they haven't purged in a really, really long time. And that is they're 
finally their opportunity to purge. So they they thanked me for doing ayahuasca so that they could finally purge and release all of their trauma as well. And interestingly enough, ayahuasca started to taste like vodka to me. And the aftertaste in my mouth was vodka. And every time I would drink ayahuasca past this night, I would always get the aftertaste of vodka. And and you guys know that I'm Russian, so that's where it's coming from. But it's just so interesting. And then it just, it was less of a feeling and more of a visual experience where ayahuasca just kept uh, showing me things. And she started showing me Mother Earth and Mother Earth crying for help. You know, how much we need to help Mother Earth. And then I just felt my heart just opening up to indigenous cultures all over the world. And I saw them crying for protection and and letting me know to let the world know that we needed to help them. And they are so threatened. You know, people are so threatened by them, Um, especially like, you know, people in power are so threatened by them because they are the wisdom keepers of the world and they are the ones who created this, uh, you know, channeled this medicine for us. And they're the wisdom keepers and they're here as part of the healers of Mother Earth and we keep destroying them. And we just keep eradicating them and taking their rights away and all this horrible, horrible stuff. And I just remember being like, wow, part of my purpose in this lifetime is to help the indigenous cultures. And then I started seeing politicians in the US like I st- I saw Trump but I didn't see them as their act I didn't see them as you know the way that you know you would see them on TV or meet them in person but I saw them as they actually were it was so bizarre what I actually saw was little children crying who are just begging to be healed and I saw like president Trump as a little boy just like hiding in a corner, feeling helpless, feeling threatened, feeling broken and just crying and begging to be healed. And then I saw America, like I saw a visual of the United States just um, being built off of broken and shattered bones and just built off of so much negative energy. And I just saw that, you know, obviously like the whole world needs it, but like U.S. especially needs more light workers to come and rebuild this country. And it was just like so crazy what I was be sh- what I was being shown, and then again I saw millions of eyes. And finally, uh, I will tell you guys what these eyes mean because it's so random, it's so confusing, it was so traumatic. I kept seeing eyes. I still see eyes, guys. Like anytime I look somewhere, I see eyes looking back at me, which is so bizarre. But what I learned the next day from my plant integration circle is that these eyes are just windows of consciousness. So we are all essentially windows of consciousness. We're just all peering out. We are consciousness expressing itself through an individual format. So we're consciousness expressing itself in human form, and we're all having an individual experience of consciousness, even though we are all one. We are all one entity, one being, one consciousness. And so these eyes are just representation of all the different possibilities of consciousness and all the different individuals and all the different experiences, which is so interesting. So I'm no longer afraid of these eyeballs, but holy crap, like they were following me around everywhere. And then, you know, ayahuasca kept showing me like all this darkness and I just kept feeling more and more frightened as she kept showing me things like really sick to my stomach. And I just wanted the night to end and I felt helpless. And once I recognized that I felt helpless, everything clicked for me. I realized that she showed me who I've become. 
she rendered me helpless and evoked every freaking emotion that I've ever repressed and suppressed in my life from childhood and apparently from past lives and beyond. And she showed me how I let all of my fears and worries and anxieties that were pushed down inside of me turn me into essentially a very toned down, repressed and suppressed version of myself. And I realized that ayahuasca was taking me through this horrible journey, not not just for shits and giggles, but to render me helpless and cause me to surrender and finally realized that I've been holding on to way too much shit in my life and way too much unimportant shit and that I didn't have to let the anxiety, the worries, the pain, the trauma, the suffering to be a part of my story any longer. And once I made that, uh, once I had that insight, once I made that connection, things started to shift for me. And the rest of the night pretty much went like this. She started showing me uh, new brand colors for Manifestation Babe. Like she started showing me things about my business, which was like the fun part. Um, She showed me that I needed a new logo and she actually threw my logo, my current logo. She laughed at it and threw it in the trash. Like it was so weird. Then she showed me, she pulled up my Instagram and started scrolling through it. And she's like, why is everything so dark? You need to lighten this up. Like this needs to be light because you're no longer dark, Catherine. You're no longer suffering. You're no longer in pain. You're no longer, um, you know, you're no longer anxious. Anxiety was just something you picked up from the womb. It's not you. You're no, you're no longer, um, you know, you no longer feel this way. So you need to lighten this up. And she showed me, she was like, you know, you've had all these fears about growing your account. How do you expect to get to this number? And she showed me a number of followers, a huge number of followers on my Instagram account. She said, I'm going to take you to this level. Like you're growing to this level, but you're blocking yourself because how can you expect to get to this level when you're so afraid of the level you're currently at? And I was just like, my mind was being just so blown. And I was like, wow, you're so right. And then she kept showing me like really beautiful things too. She showed me how much love I had in my life between me and Brennan and that we were destined to be together. Um, And then she showed me, uh, I asked her, you know, show me my highest potential. Uh, You know, if I decide to transform my life, show me what I could possibly create. And if um, she was like, you know what, if you let go of your current identity, this is what's going to occur. This is you at your highest potential. And she took me to an audience of 20,000 people. Like I literally appeared on a stage in front of 20,000 people. And as that happened, she cleared my throat chakra. I saw this like light go through my crown chakra and out of my throat chakra. And she said that I would now be able to speak my truth freely because I let go of all the fears that were preventing me from doing so. And she also said the reason why I've had so many fears around like public speaking and sharing my truth and worrying about people's opinions is because I'm an open, clear channel and I always have been and I've always been connected to infinite intelligence, but I've been dishonoring infinite intelligence by not trusting that I could literally create anything and everything that I wanted out of flow and surrender. And this was so shocking to hear because, you know, so many of you guys could look at me and be like, oh, Catherine's so good at manifesting and she's so tuned in and tapped in. And I get these messages all the time, but I was not believing it myself. I was still being so analytical and logical about the way that I was doing things, you know, very masculine approach still, still. And so she was like showing me like, no, 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 no. 
You are a clear channel for divine intelligence and it's time for you to trust it. And that was the last message I got that night. And then it was done. And when it's done, it's so bizarre. The shamans, they, you know, after, I don't know, five, six, seven hours, they start to slowly light some candles, bring some light in. They 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 turn on the lights. They turn on uh, some very light music. They play a gentle tone to kind of bring us back, bring us back into our bodies. Then we do an integration circle. We just like share our experiences. And I was the only one, you guys, who had this kind of experience. Everyone had blissful, amazing experiences because they called it the introduction introduction to ayahuasca night. So it's apparently very gentle. Uh, it's a very gentle brew. It's a very gentle experience. That's how it's supposed to be. But nope, me and one other guy went to hell that night and everyone else are having such a great, great, great night. But for me, it actually changed the next night where the next night was my, my quote unquote blissful night. And for everyone else, they had a really hard night. So you can't predict this stuff and like what everyone else is experiencing doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to experience the same thing because it's so individual, but it was really nice to kind of um, come together and talk about what happened and just see like, yo, I made it back. I'm back in the room. I'm in my body. Life is good. It's time to go to bed. Um, so I remember walking to bed and you just like, you walk normally, like you don't really feel it. You feel a little tired. You feel a little exhausted. You're ready for bed. You go, you can shower. They recommend, uh, taking a cold shower, but I couldn't bring myself to, I was just very cold at night. So I just got into bed. I fell asleep. But then the next morning, I woke up feeling like dread, like extreme dread. And I really didn't want to go to ceremony. And I remember telling my best friend, Stephanie, who's my roommate, like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to make it through this week. Um, My brain felt really scrambled. I cried for most of the day. Um, I sobbed in my colonic appointment that day, like for 40 minutes while I have water going up my butt and out of my butt. I was sobbing. I felt like I was just so confused and I felt like I was just, um, uh, you know, left wide open, uh, with no closure. I felt like I had no closure and I, and, you know, plant integration classes, I told you guys, Rhythmia does plant integration classes. And that really helped me because the facilitator was talking about how it's not necessary to have closure and it's not necessary for you to make sense of everything that happened and just trust that, especially the first time you ever do ayahuasca, she's learning about you. This is you. Not only are, is she introducing yourself to uh, herself to you, but you are also introducing yourself to her. And essentially what she's doing is she's searching through you like a file cabinet. And when he said that, that made sense because I felt like a lot of what I was shown was like going through a file cabinet. Right. And she's like searching, 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 figuring out how to help you and, you know, pulling out files, tossing them, reviewing them, putting them back in if they're important, taking them out if they're not important. Just like it's like a it's like a very, like very fast paced, like crazy, just let's rummage through the files. Let's take this out. And she's just like essentially unzipping your code to learn more about you and how to help you. Because remember, this is ancient medicine. It's not a recreational drug, and I cannot imagine ever how you could ever take this for fun, because this is not fun. This is work, you guys. This is like the deepest inner work I have ever done in my entire life. And it's basically, people have said before to me that, Catherine, it's like 10 years of therapy in one night. 
Yes, it is definitely 10 years of therapy in one night. And um, another thing the facilitator said is that every journey is completely different. And a scary journey one night could turn into a beautiful and calm one the next night and that there is no good and bad. And that's the whole lesson behind ayahuasca is to learn that there is no good or bad. And the moment you stop labeling what's happen, what, what is happening, it all becomes beautiful because ayahuasca is just helping you, healing you, and teaching you. So that was night one. Now, going into ceremony number two was a completely different experience, but I had to drag my ass to ceremony, as you guys can imagine. I was so scared that I would take the ayahuasca and that I would lay on my mattress and we would pick up right where we left off from the night before. And I had to keep reminding myself, no, 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 no. Every journey is different. Every journey is different, right? So, okay. So I went to get the repay this night and I chose a beautiful soul named Lindsay to administer it. The night before I went to a male shaman, the next night I went to his wife and I didn't know that they were married at this, at this point, but she was his beautiful wife. And she just like, I felt so good in her energy And I felt like the night before I really healed my thing around women, other women. And it was so beautiful because from this moment on, I really connected with all the women shamans and I kept coming up to them and kept um, consoling with them and, um, and just like asking for their help and, and asking for them to, uh, to pray over me and bless me and all this stuff. And I just felt so safe in their presence. And Lindsay really put me at ease. And the repay this time, instead of just grounding me, it created an instant emotional purge. I started to sob. I started to cry uncontrollably. And I started to feel nauseous as if I took ayahuasca, not repay. And I went to the bathroom and I had a physical purge. This is my first purge ever. I didn't purge at all the day before. And I felt like I was holding on to it the whole day. And so I just purged. And the thing about your purge, um, literally vomit in a bucket, is that you want to ask the vomit what it is. And I know it sounds so weird, but the vomit is usually something that you released from your body, from your from your emotional body, physical body, spiritual body, mental body. It could be thoughts. It could be unworthiness. It could be fears. It could be anxiety. And I immediately got the message that I purged fear. So I was like, okay. So I went back and I started to meditate on my mattress. Um, And then they called for the ayahuasca, the first cup. I drank the first cup. And then I went to the bathroom to pee so that I didn't have to all night because they don't let you drink water. Uh, You can't drink water from the moment you drink the ayahuasca until the morning or when the ceremony is over. I keep saying morning because the last ceremony, ceremony number four, was when you could actually drink water. uh, Sorry, was until the morning, like the sun actually rose up when the ceremony was over. So anyway, I went to go pee. And when I went to the bathroom, I, for some reason, was called to look inside my bucket again that I purged into. And I was the only one that purged in there. So I looked inside and my puke was in the shape of a heart. And I was sober at this point. So it wasn't like I was hallucinating anything. I just, I just saw a beautiful heart. And I remember lying down. And as I lied down, Mother Aya said to me, Tonight, I will take you to bliss and liberate you of your past. But first, we need to work through some discomfort. And as, you know, she came over me 30, 45 minutes, who knows? It it comes on faster and faster 
with each night because the medicine is still in you and the medicine stays with you for about, I think, 24 to 48 hours or something like that. Like, don't quote me on it, but it stays with you. And spiritually, it stays with you like an, on an energetic level for the rest of your life. So it helps you heal. It's constantly providing you with guidance, um, not to the extreme of actually drinking it, but it stays with you on this energetic level and things will continue to connect um, from your ceremonies like years later down the line. Like the shaman, one of the shamans said that he's still connecting things from a ceremony he did a year ago, which is really, really cool to hear. So... Um, you know, I started to feel it within like 30 minutes. And as it started coming over me, I started to feel progressively more and more uncomfortable and nauseated. And ayahuasca showed up to me as a snake again. So again, it started to feel like I was having the same experience as the day before. And I was like terrified of it, but I was just letting it happen. I was like, all right, I already drank it. I'm here. You know, I'm showing up. I'm choosing to surrender, blah, blah, blah. And I heard this flute being played. And, um, you know, Ayahuasca kept telling me that she's summoning my ego to come out and purge itself, who is also apparently a snake inside my body. And I could feel this snake like wiggling inside my body while I'm hearing a flute being played. And I don't know if you guys know, like those people who play the, the flute and like they, the, the cobra dances, if you guys know what I'm talking about. So that's what it felt like. It felt like someone was summoning a snake to wiggle inside of me. And it got progressively more and more and more uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, I remember I'm laying on my stomach because I just I went from getting nauseous to wanting to purge, couldn't purge, lay down on my on my knees or or was on my knees, then lay down on my on my belly. And I started to release things from my pores. And it's not just sweat, but actual objects, guys, like spikes. Specifically, I remember seeing spikes coming out of my pores. And at this point, it became so excruciating and uncomfortable that I started to panic. And the night before, I actually had an insight come in in the morning of the ceremony number two that I was being very prideful by not asking the shamans for help when I really needed it the night before. I remember waking up being being like, wow, I didn't need their help. I did it. I made it through, blah, 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 blah. And I was kind of being prideful about it. And I realized that morning that I never asked for help in my life. And that was just a representation that I needed to learn to start asking for help. And Ayahuasca told me that if I ask for help, I would be rewarded for it. So I immediately remember when I was getting really uncomfortable, I raised my hand. And I remember looking at the shamans in front of me, raising my hand, waving my hand, and nobody's coming up to me. Nobody's paying attention to me. They're looking at me but they're looking past me. And I started to panic. And ayahuasca goes, no, if you want help, you go get help. And then I just felt everything in my being get up and make a beeline for Christian, who is the shaman that was serving the medicine the night before. And I remember coming up to him and I'm like, hey, I'm really struggling and having a hard time. And I sat right like on my knees in front of him and he's like sitting up in front of me and he's like, okay, just relax, just relax. And he started to fan me off um, and start to use all these tools that the shamans use. Like they have this, they have fans, they have feathers, they have fans that are in the shape of, um, sorry, they have like plants, these like mini palm tree looking plants that are in the shape of a fan. Um, and he's just like waving things over me, chanting over me, praying over me, doing all these things, rubbing herbal lotions all over me. 
And then another shaman was behind me, fanning me down and rubbing my back and just moving the stagnant energy. And I could just feel the movement of the darkness just leaving me. And all of a sudden, a shift happened. And I went to a deep trance. And a white owl appeared. And this owl opened me up to the darkness that was surrounding me. And I just remember this owl above me. And the only way I can describe this, and I actually have somewhat of a confirmation that I learned the next day that she took me to source and source tends to appear to you when you're doing plant medicine as a big ball of blinding light. And the way I would describe this is all of a sudden I went from dread to nirvana and I, you know, like in movies, when someone dies, they go to this like white light, but then the whole screen becomes a white light. That's how it felt. And I felt like I just lost sense of myself. I lost sense of time. I lost sense of everything. Nothing else mattered except the fact that I felt the most blissed out that I have ever felt in my entire life. It was like describing nirvana. There was nothingness except for the most pure love that I have ever felt in my life. And I felt like I had died and went to heaven. And I sat there for what felt like, I don't know, if I were to estimate 30 minutes maybe, but it was probably five to be honest, because I don't think they would have kept me there for 30 minutes, but it felt like an eternity. And all of a sudden the shaman asked if I wanted to go back to my mattress. And I reluctantly agreed. And I was like, okay. And I marched back to my mattress only to have this dread come back over me again. And ayahuasca started to communicate with me back and forth from this point on. And she's like, hey, 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 let me back in. Let me back in. Why why are you resisting me? And I was like, okay. And she's like, see, you can trust me. I healed your jaw. And I was like, what? And I opened my mouth. And guys, I've, I've had a jaw issue for the last maybe three years where every time I open my mouth, it clicks. And for the first time ever, I opened my mouth and there was no clicking. And I could open my mouth wide. And she's like, see? Congrats on fully surrendering for the first time in your life. And then she said, congrats on merging with your soul. Now enjoy having your soul in your body. Keep letting me back in and you will feel bliss. And I just remember like feeling for the first time that my soul had merged with my body and that I was having a date with my soul. And I remember I started dancing and like belly dancing and like grinding my mattress and just feeling what it's like to have my soul back in my body. And ayahuasca kept saying like, this bliss is yours. And I remember through the whole night, every time I would get triggered by something or someone and then relax, and then I would just relax back into it and go back into my state of bliss. And ayahuasca said to me, see, Catherine, you get so distracted from your happiness You have bliss available to you every single day, but you allow life to get in your way. Nothing else is real. Nothing else matters. Surrender to the bliss that you have available to you. And it was just so beautiful. It was like we played this game. She allowed me to practice what it was like to have inner peace of mind without letting the daily life distract me. When people would cough or sneeze or cry or laugh or run around or walk around or anyone would talk, which not many people are talking, to be honest. Everyone's having their own journey. But like if the shaman is like talking to someone or telling them to calm down, I kept getting triggered. And then I would play this game where I would just practice relaxing, relaxing and feeling peace, 
for the first time in my life. And I remember in the middle of ceremony, in the middle of this game, this woman gets up and it sounds like someone's talking over an intercom. Like it just sounds like it's kind of in this world, but kind of not in this world, like coming from a distance over an intercom saying that she's leaving the ceremony. And she's like announcing the fact that she's leaving ceremony. She doesn't want to be a part of it. And it was said in a really creepy and disturbing way. And it caused me to like temporarily panic until I realized when she had walked out of the Maloka, simply by walking out of the Maloka, I realized it was like a realization on two different levels. On one level, I saw her soul follow her and be like, no, 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 no. We were going to merge. We were going to merge. And I was like, oh, and I remember sending her love, like a ton of love. I was like, oh man, she's really struggling. I'm going to send her love. But at the same time, I had this download that that was an old version of myself who left the Maloka. And it was just, I just felt like decades of my life just left the Maloka too. And I remember finally, for the first time in like a ceremony and a half, I was able to finally go outside. And the beauty of Rhythmia is that they have the Maloka, which is all considered indoors where they have the mattresses, but they also have hammocks hanging outside that you can hang out in. You can lay on the grass. You can look at the moon and the stars and see the trees and the plants. And it's just so beautiful. And so I finally went outside for the second half of my journey and I was just enjoying bliss. And I remember I kept questioning if I was actually feeling bliss or feeling liberation or feeling freedom and all these other positive emotions. And ayahuasca pointed out to me, and it was so profound. Oh my God. She's like, see, how come you can recognize fear, anxiety, worry, and all the negative emotions? When you feel them, you know what you're feeling. You're so familiar with them. But you are questioning if what you're feeling right now is an actual emotion or just an illusion. Do you see how little you are familiar with your positive emotions? And I was just like, whoa, okay, you're so right. This is this is peace. This is liberation. This is freedom. And I get to keep it and it is mine. And that was like the breakthrough that I dwelled on for the remainder of the night in the hammock. I think I like fell asleep for about an hour outside. I was just feeling so much peace for the first time in my life, you guys, like a peace that I could not describe. I felt love for my body. I I truly felt like what it was like to have my soul in my body for the first time since my mom's womb or first time ever. And I was like dancing with my soul. I remember I just kept dancing and moving my hips and just like I felt so feminine and so free. And then ceremony was over at around two in the morning and we did a closing circle. And before we went to bed, I walked up to the shaman And I explained to them what happened, how I was being guided to ask for help and no one came up to me. And so I basically marched my ass over to them. And I was talking about how I, my experience and how I felt like I died. And the shaman was like, yeah, you definitely did. A part of you died tonight. And the whole part about ayahuasca isn't the fact that you're going to die, right? Like you feel like you're dying or you feel like you have died, but it really is about rebirth. And part of the merging of the soul is for you to experience a death so that when you are reborn, your soul is merged back with you so that you can, you can end a chapter of your life, a massive chapter, and start a completely brand new chapter 
with your soul intact so that you can feel whole, so that you no longer chase things that are coming from voids or coming from distractions, so that you're no longer numbing pain. And a lot of my um, my ceremonies, which will be in the next episode, three and four, had a lot to do with figuring out how I've been repressing and how I've been suppressing and how I've been escaping truly feeling my emotions and how society teaches us that our emotions mean weakness and how society really represses and suppresses the feminine divine energy and how that's what's creating this imbalance in the world. And all of our troubles and pain and suffering is coming from the fact that we're not recognizing that masculine energy and feminine energy are just as powerful as one another. They're just opposite in nature and they are needed for us to basically save the world, save the planet. Like a lot of this healing that we have to do as light workers is through embodying more of that feminine energy and respecting the divine feminine and, and feeling whole again so that we are no longer pursuing things for selfish reasons, but we're realizing that what we are pursuing has to be for the highest good of all involved. And so that was really such a beautiful, beautiful, profound experience. I was so relieved to have night two. And then I went to bed. And the next day, surprisingly, was very, very hard for me because I felt like I felt such high highs. And then, you know, what I felt in ceremony was like, I mean, how do you how do you compare to the high of going to source, right? Going straight to source, being source, and then coming back. And so anything in comparison just felt so low for me. And there was lots of processing and lots of crying. And I remember I didn't want to be around people. And I felt like I was learning to be myself all over again. And I was just like really giving myself an opportunity to heal. And um, and then it all changed. Every single just sadness and frustration that I felt changed in ceremony number three and number four, which I will be saving for the next episode. Got to give you guys something to wait for. So as you can tell, this is why I obviously recorded ceremony one and two separately from three or four, because we're already an hour and 45 minutes into this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, I cannot wait to continue and share with you what happened in ceremony number three and four. And then, of course, what happened um, after the ceremonies, after Rhythmia, how I'm integrating, what I really learned. Um, I'm curious to hear from you guys. Send me a DM, tag me on Instagram, leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Um, and I'm just so curious to connect with you guys because that's my experience. Um, if you guys have not signed up for Epically Aligned yet, go to manifestationbabe.com slash links. This is the Manifestation Babe New Year's Eve party where you will literally create and manifest the best year of your life yet. And I will share with you all the tools and processes so that you can step into the new decade as if you took ayahuasca, but without taking ayahuasca, because I'm going to show you how to release everything that is no longer serving you, giving you a completely blank, clear slate, helping you heal your past so that you can step into a new future, feeling light, feeling free, feeling liberated and feeling at peace. All right. So manifestationbabe.com slash links, and I will catch you guys in the next episode Love you so much. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. 
If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at Manifestation Babe or visiting my website at manifestationbabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.